So I remember losing uh, my voice this one time. Um, in the first few years of my teaching, mm-hmm. I may have been sick earlier, but yeah. at that particular time, I wasn't feeling unwell in any other mm-hmm. you know, part of my body. But I had this really strained voice and I could just whisper. And it was hard because I didn't feel um, sick enough to be at home. Yeah. Like, because I felt like I'd, it, it would be lovely to have a day off, mm-hmm. but I felt that it was kind of wasted me sitting at home and yep. looking after myself when I felt fine, except mm-hmm. for my voice. But then I probably, reflecting on it, wasn't well enough to be at work, particularly when you do need your voice. I probably didn't realize really how important it is and to look after it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember going to the school one day and kind of whispering to the kids. I think the kids saw it coming over the course <laughs> of a few days. Yep. But then I went in and they were really appreciative that I was there yep. because they were angels that day and <laughs> they were super helpful. And I think they kind of loved the fact that they could help me out but also kind of almost had some special roles yep. and jobs that day. Um, yeah, so I had to then figure out how I was going to teach without my voice <laughs> <laughs> to make it not worse, but also over the course of a few days to try and make it better. Mm-hmm. And I had all the other teachers and probably parents yelling at me, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. Yeah. And I'm like, but I don't want to be at home and I feel useless being at home, but you know, um, and yeah, I remember I typed notes up onto my smart board of instructions for them to do. <laughs> I had lots of hand signals going on and lots of pointing, you know, um, and I'd get the kids to read, right, who wants to read the text today? Oh, mate, okay, off you go. You can read this next chapter. Yeah. Um, and they would answer the phone, so they were like my PAs as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I suppose going in I had to kind of slightly adjust my plans, yeah. you know, because, I, you know, obviously you you forget how much you really use your voice mm. during the day and how it's not so much even just the big teaching moments. It's yep. the little things like, could you please go do this? Right, everyone who's working really well. It's all those little things that you need to say. Yep. Um, and then also we set up some team teaching things, I'm sure, across those couple of days. Mm-hmm. But it was really difficult. But I said what I should have done in hindsight was stop and go, I am actually not ready for school yeah. today. Yeah. I don't have what I need to be there. Mm. And I probably should have been off, but then I probably would have been off for, say, a week, really. Yeah. Anyway, but I never, I suppose the thinking about it, though, is I never really learnt actually how to care for my voice at oh, all. Yeah. We never had any training at uni. Yeah. It was never discussed at school on staff. It was, look, you know, don't yell, you know, speak to students at this level. But mm-hmm. there was never any anything deeper than that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been um, interesting. Yeah. yeah. How did you manage... So was it fairly late in the year? Because I'm just thinking, if it was early in the year, I don't think you would have had those relationships in place where you could expect the kids to help that much. I've got a feeling it was probably about halfway through. So, yeah, I did have the relationships and the rapport. They knew the structures and the routines. So at least I had that on my side. But I think they were only maybe grade three. So you're kind of talking like eight and nine-year-olds. But again, they kind of really stepped up yeah. and suddenly, and rather than going crazy yeah. and berserk and my room is a circus and they're jumping on tables, they actually kind of decided that, right, Miss Chin is here, she yeah. actually needs my help. You right. know, like, yeah, so it actually ended up being a fairly positive experience. Yeah. But yeah, I probably shouldn't have put my um, myself in that position, <laughs> you know, yeah. 
Thanks for joining us today, everyone, for the Teacher Learning Networks podcast. The Teacher Learning Networks is a not-for-profit professional development organisation supported by the Education Unions Victorian branch, sorry, the Australian Education Unions Victorian branch and the Independent Education Unions Victoria Tasmania branch. We produce books, magazines and apps, as well as running face-to-face -face and online professional development for our member schools. I'm Max Squirrock and with me is Kate Shinner. Kate, so we're talking obviously about voice care today. Yep. What's our big question for today? Do you have it with you? It was how... How do I develop <laughs> yeah. and sustain my voice for a career? Um, so it's the opposite of what you said there. It's how do we set things up so that our voices last us yes. while we're trying to trying to develop a career and how do, they, how do we make sure our voice is okay every day? It's interesting you said that you didn't um, have any experience or... or training in how to care for a voice, yep. how to look after a voice, what to do if you lose your voice. Yep, exactly. um, it, I think it's probably an unreasonable expectation to expect that unis on top of everything else would add that to a, to a teaching degree. Mm -hmm. But there's a good case for it, isn't there? Because it's, it's a really important tool for a mm -hmm. teacher. You said earlier that you didn't have what you needed in order to, to be there that day. Yep, and I probably just didn't realise at the time how important it was. Um, but I also actually, early in my career, which didn't kind of click at the same time, but mm. my first year I met a teacher who wasn't teaching at the time, but she uh, like she was probably, I'd say, you know, late 40s, early 50s, and all she could do, full extent of her voice was just a whisper. So she'd actually done oh. such damage to her voice Ooh. over time of her career. Mm. And it was actually, from what I remember, the discussion was actually quite early in her career, mm -hmm. but it, it, she used it so much that she was actually permanently had lost wow. her voice, so she could only just get to a whisper. Yeah. And another time that shocked me, yeah. but then I didn't actually think about it and do anything with it, yeah. like, with that information and go, oh, I need to look after my voice. Yeah. Yeah, so that was quite shocking to me, actually, um, meeting her. So then her career, obviously, in teaching was mm. over, so yeah. she had to go and do other things. Right. Yeah. Amazing. I've, I've not come across anyone who is quite so badly damaged with the voice. Mm. I, I think your experience of losing it is not uncommon. No. I think it's quite common for a lot of teachers to go through periods where they've done something to their voice, but I didn't know. No, that, wow. that permanent damage, yeah. yeah. Um, for our reading today, I'm just going to talk about a book that um, I read sort of years ago, really. Um, and I suppose to put it in context, of a tell a bit of a larger story, which is... Um, my undergrad degree was in theatre performance. <laughs> um, and as part of that, we did voice classes. Yep. So I come to this from a different angle from you, Kate. I yep. did a significant amount of voice training, um, which may come as a surprise to everyone who has to listen to my dulcet tones. <laughs> this, is, this is actually the voice of someone who's done training. Um, but the, the book I wanted to talk about is called The Singing Voice and Owner's Manual by Pat H. Wilson. Yep. Um, we actually had Pat as a teacher at uni. She taught us singing. Um, and she was a very unconventional singing teacher. Um, a lot of her work is around um, singing to a character yep. rather than making your voice sound beautiful. But she also spent a lot of time with us on how to care for your voice, how to set things up so that your voice lasts yep. um, and what to do if, if something goes wrong. Um, the book's actually not a book about how to sing. It's a book about sort of the title, um, an owner's manual. It's how to yep. look after your voice and, and how to use it in a way that sustains a, a singing career. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of advice in there that I think is really relevant to a teacher. Yep. Um, and one of the 
biggest overarching bits of advice, and this was a big thing from, uh, from you know, that performing arts degree, is the idea that uh, your voice is a tool um, yes. and, and it's not disconnected from the rest of your body. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea is that uh, you've got vocal cords and there's a, there's a mechanic to the way your voice works, yep. but one of those mechanics is that it resonates through the rest of your body and it's a reflection of your general health and well-being, mm -hmm. how well your voice is working at any time. Yep. So there's a lot of little tips and tricks and things you know, to do to keep it healthy. Yep. But the main thing is it, it's linked to the rest of your general health. Mm. So if you're generally unhealthy, yep. then your voice will also show that. Um, and like any uh, sort of bit of your physiology, um, if you push it to the edge, if you're operating at the edge, then you need to make sure it's very, very fit for purpose. Yep. So if you are the type of teacher who raises their voice a lot and yells a lot, you need to make sure you've got a voice and, and, a, and a body that will sustain that kind of usage. Yep. Um, whereas, you know, if, if, if that's not the way you speak generally, then you can probably get away with a little bit more. Yep. Um, and I say that mostly because there's a number of other things to think about. Like, um, one of the things, so if I go take a step back from that is around the, um, uh, the just the, you know, the vocal cords and that part of it. And, and the main part there is around, it's, it's meant to be a moist instrument. Yep. So things that you consume that dry it can cause significant harm. Mm -hmm. um, so cold and flu medicines that clear up nasal passages do so by drying out your mucus. Mm -hmm. So if you have cold and flu medicines, it's yep. drying out your vocal cords as well. So I, I'm not saying that means you can't talk that day, but I am saying it means you shouldn't be using your voice at a heightened level. Yep. So you shouldn't be, in, in the case of the book, you shouldn't be singing while you're on um, a cold and flu medicine. And I would say you shouldn't be expecting to deliver a two-hour lecture-style lesson to a large room where you have to use an elevated voice yep. um, when, when you're on that kind of thing. Um, coffee fries out. Your, your voice yeah I know right. that's why I started by saying it, it's it's okay if you're not going to use it at an elevated level because yep. I've already had several coffees today so my my excuse is going to be that I'm not planning to have to use my voice in an elevated way today yeah yep. um yeah that's, that's really interesting yeah I mean even those little things I'd never quite knew or or maybe I did know but mm. never kind of connected them together yep. so um, it's a shame about the coffee but, yeah. but even just with the cold and flu you know because yep. when you're you know, at home, maybe you're heading to work or you're in the middle of a work day and you're feeling unwell and you're going, right, what can I do to make myself feel better? Mm. You're trying to make yourself feel better, but then mm. you're kind of, uh, you know, making yourself feel unwell in different ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's really Yeah, so cold and flu is a double whammy because it dries it out and a lot of them have like paracetamol in there yep. so you don't feel the damage that you're doing while you're doing it yep. to your voice. Um, so that, and that idea of it being a moist instrument is probably the key there. Yep. So water's really good. Um, uh, sort of um, anything with um, dairy kind of sort of clogs up the mucusiness yeah. of it. Sometimes for some people, particularly, yeah. and you feel that sometimes. You know, you have yes. a big glass of milk or something, and suddenly you get <laughs> as you try and talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. That's so really interesting. Yeah, I really. Yeah. And it took me a long time to really embrace that idea. Of, of your voice as an instrument, yep. like that it's something that is joined to you and you can choose to care for and yep. use respectfully or 
disregard and, and potentially do damage to. Yeah, but just as teachers that are like we're talking all the time, that's mm. what we have to do. It's something that we really need to actually um, think about and make sure we do look after ourselves, especially for like a long-term career as well. Yeah. So, yeah, really, I wish that would be something that I'd had, you know, years ago yep. so that I could have been more aware about maybe what I was mm. doing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because, again, just let you make the choice. So yes. the choice is I need cold and flu medicine to sit through today. And the other half of that choice is I need to be careful about the way I use my voice yep. today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really we'll probably introduce our guest yes, now after good we've idea. talked for a while. We've got with us Amy Cotton today. Amy's working with us this year. She's one of our colleagues, um, but has also presented pretty widely on voice care for teachers. How are you going, Amy? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, really good. Great. Do you want to start by telling us if you've got any horrible stories like Kate about having lost your voice while you were teaching? Yeah. How, how have you gone with it? I, I've done the same thing. Uh, when I was young and much more stupid, I went to school and I taught for a full week without a voice. Yeah. Wow. Uh, because when you're younger, you sort of feel like I can't be replaced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've got all this work to do. And, yeah, 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 yeah. They need me there. Um, well, what I actually did was I damaged my voice in yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, and I guess I, I'm actually with you. That silence that week, the students came to the lessons and they helped teach themselves. And it was actually very instructional for me in learning how to. Um, how to run a course, how to run a class. And uh, use your voice in certain ways. Well, and than... not even use my voice. Yeah, I have yeah. no voice. Yeah. Um, so it strengthened my teaching, but it wasn't a good way to do <laughs> that. <laughs> um, maybe if I just made a pact not to speak. Uh, so I have done that and I became very interested in voice after that because every time I get a cold, the first thing that goes on me is lose my voice. Right. So even before anything else sets in with the cold, my, my voice will go down. Yep. Um, and being in teaching and then later on doing professional development and yep. delivering around the state, losing your voice is the worst thing that could happen. Yep. Yep. Particularly if you're delivering a voice care course, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I once had to cancel a voice care course, and um, the, one of the participants wrote back, "This is unreasonable. Why have you cancelled it? I've lost my voice." And they thought that was even more unreasonable. <laughs> so, well, I'm practicing what I'm preaching here. <laughs> but, um, it, so it can happen to anyone, even if you are a, a careful person with mm -hmm. your voice. Um, so a, a lot of people will take it on. Oh, I haven't been good, and they yeah. take this blame on, and yeah. you shouldn't. It's just um, living in Australia with um, all of our beautiful flora, but <laughs> <laughs> we can lose our voice pretty much any time hay fever happens, um, let alone having all these colds. Um, you said in the beginning uh, that um, you don't think it's a university's place to teach voice care. Mm. I think it is yep. uh, because there are some pretty startling statistics out there about teachers losing their voices. Mm -hmm. And in Australia, it's about one-fifth of the workforce goes wow. down every year with voice care right. problems. Yeah. And those are the ones who are reporting to doctors. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, we do know a little bit about those statistics. They tend to be skewed more towards women. Mm -hmm. um, now, there's a few things in that. Men might not be reporting as mm -hmm. much because um, of the culture of not going to a doctor. Yeah. Um, but it could also just be that the statistics are skewed by 70% women in mm. education. Um, but there's... It's actually the same in the UK, the EU, and the USA. They all have similar statistics. Yeah. So um, when one-fifth of your workforce is going down every mm. year yeah. with something, there's two things that are missing. One, it's training at university, yep. and yep. two, it's professional development whilst yeah. on yep. the job. Yep. Uh, 
just part of what I've done in the past. Yeah. yeah. It almost becomes an employer responsibility too yep. at that level, doesn't it? Both for a financial yes, reason. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because if you're losing one fifth of your workforce every year for a significant time due to the same injury. Yeah. Well, it's a workplace injury. Mm. Yes. That's the other yeah. thing. So it's an unsafe workplace that's mm. caused um, this injury to happen. Um, and it is much cheaper for a workplace to invest in some decent voice care PD every mm. year, yeah. just yeah. to remind everybody, yeah. um, than it would be to uh, pay somebody out or yeah. um, move them into another position that's mm. not a teaching position. Yeah. Uh, or So I was thinking about the uh, 50-year-old woman who yeah. lost her voice. Yeah. Her career is gone. Mm. Um, finding her another job commensurate with her skills uh, is a very difficult thing. Yep. Yeah. So a, a workplace would just be much better off investing in that mm. PD, even if the university skipped it. Yeah. Yes. I don't think they should. Yeah. No. Um, the workplace should pick it up. Mm. Uh, the other thing is we all become lazy. Uh, yeah. So what we might have learned at university 20 years later. Mm. <laughs> you need a bit of refresher PD. And, and it is really once you're in the job and you are teaching day to day, like yeah. it is probably that important thing that once you are at school and you mm. actually are in the job of how to use your voice correctly. Yep. In my previous role, I worked a lot with student teachers or pre-service teachers yeah. as they are now. And uh, the one thing I'd always warn them before they went on their final practicum or block or mm. what do you call it in yeah. the state? Yeah. Lots of things. Um, placement. Yeah. Placement. placement. Yeah. Yeah. Practicum placement. Yep. Professional experience. Yep. Yep. Um, is I tell them about um, some tips for voice care and just mm -hmm. be mindful. And without even struggling, not that I ever kept the stats, 80% mm -hmm. of them would come back and say, yeah, I lost my voice. Wow. And it's usually third, fourth week that wow. they lose it. Mm. Um, and it's just, there's two things there. A beginning teacher talks more than a, an experienced teacher. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, but it's also you're going from uh, being a student where you listen a lot yeah. to talking seven hours a day. Yes. Yeah. At volume. Mm. And probably raising your voice a little bit more to try and kind mm. of calm those kids down because the kids know that they're a student teacher, mm. you know, and try and play yeah. a few games and, yeah. you know, so that they try and push the boundaries a little bit. They shouldn't, but yeah. they yeah. do. I, I don't want to pick on them. Um, uh, early career teachers because no, 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 mostly no, no, the yeah 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 no but it will be even experienced teachers will be the first two terms when suddenly yeah. everyone loses their voice because yes. they've had that break over <laughs> summer holidays yes yes exactly everything's back everything's normal and then suddenly they're up and talking um, and probably run down too by a certain point mm, as well where yeah. you know they're trying to juggle yeah. manage everything as well as talking and probably forgetting about themselves mm. and, and thinking it, about everyone else and that link back to it being Part of your body. Yes. So yes. if you've let your body degrade due to illness and stress, yep. then your voice becomes vulnerable as well. Exactly. I get that. And um, on top of that, uh, the change of the seasons happens. Mm. Um, there's the hay fever and then yep. the cold season stuff. Yes. And um, people never, between never one of those. Weird, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only the summer holidays will be the only key potentially. But I think you're right. I think stress is the one of the major causes. Mm. Um, and whether that's stress from overuse mm. or just stress in overall mm. ability yeah. to cope with what's going on with teaching yeah. um, yep. and the workload. Yeah, it, yeah. it is a stressful job. Yeah. You know, it manifests always, somewhere. There's yeah. always things happening, always things to do, you know, yeah, even outside of your own classroom. Yeah, so mm. it's always busy. I mean, here we get a little bit close to the edge of what, you know, can be demonstrated by science. But there's a lot of, in, in the performing arts, there's a lot of, talk around um, your voice being a manifestation of your emotions. Um, and so you, 
people believe they can hear in someone's voice if they're sort of holding on to stress or tension, things like that. Yep. And I, I feel that when I feel stress, I feel it in my throat. Yep. And I think it does affect my voice. And it is when I'm more prone to um, throat infections and things like that. The other place people um, hold their stress is in the neck mm. or they might clench their jaw. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole um, area where the vocal folds are sitting is mm. such an integral part of a machine that works together. Mm. And the instant you stress one of those muscles, mm. it has that knock-on effect. The other thing um, that stress and sometimes just poor habits um, uh, induces is poor posture. Ah, uh, Yes. Yeah, so if you're leaning forward mm. and you just sit up for yep. a second, probably, <laughs> and we all do it, but um, not standing squarely and in particular your your skull, which is quite a heavy thing, mm. um, should be balanced on your spine, but mm. most people balance it on the muscles, mm. which has this knock-on effect um, mm. all the way through there. So it's readjusting, learning mm. to stand back, have some power. You'll find that just changing your stance in the classroom mm. will eliminate a few of the um, discipline problems anyway. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned body because I'll go back again to my performing arts days. We must have spent of those three years, probably about half of those three years lying on the floor on our backs develop, you know, in an attempt to develop better posture. Um, and that was both in movement style classes and in voice classes. Um, and we spent a lot of time listening to one another's voices in that position because in that position you got better alignment and like I was saying earlier, voice as well as the mechanics of the vocal folds resonates through your body. So when you're in a better position, your whole voice is clearer and stronger. So there's sort of the musculature around how you make the noise, but there's also when, like Amy said, when your body's in a better position, yep. your voice just sounds better and is clearer and more resonant. It fills up a room much more easily without the effort of shouting. It is fascinating, but yeah. we never think no. about that. And even um, some of the the voice uh, projection techniques of using your head as the resonator and being aware of getting um, the skull vibrating so you can get that sound out. Um, a lot of people suffer from sinus problems um, mm -hmm. and they're never going to be able to get the true resonance going. Oh, yeah. And they put up with these sinus problems for many years without ever going to the doctor and saying, well, can we do something? Some yeah. people just... It can't anything be done, mm -hmm. but a lot of people should seek the doctor a lot earlier than they do. Mm -hmm. um, even for posture, even and um, do you want to get into when things go wrong with voices? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you mentioned tips earlier, so I'd be really interested yeah. to hear what tips you were giving to the beginning teachers. Well, I, I would talk to them a lot about posture mm -hmm. uh, first up because yeah. I do believe it is linked to um, having presence in the room as well, mm -hmm. um, and it has the knock-on effect of um, benefiting your mm -hmm. voice. Yep. But um, the one thing teachers don't do a lot of is warm-ups. Oh, yeah. And... If you just think about it, if you were going to go for a seven-hour run, mm. you would probably do some warm-ups yeah, before. Stretches. You should, yeah. you should. Um, I, I, don't get me wrong, I've never gone for a seven-hour run. <laughs> <laughs> but the expectation is that you would do some stretches or that you might do um, you know, an hour a day until yep. you get up to doing mm. the seven hours yep. a day. But we hit it um, without any pause and mm. we go into the flat-out run. Yeah. Um, and when you think about a teacher, they spend very little of their time quiet during the day mm -hmm. uh, because when they stop teaching, they, if they do go back to the staff room, 
they will continue talking mm. to yes. each other. Yep. yep. Um, on the playground, they'll talk to people. Yep. And I'm not saying stop that, but mm. um, there is no respite, even though no. you might think there is. It's not. No. It's really yeah. not. No, but there isn't there before, like before school, the quick plans and right what's happening today with other teachers after school, the meetings, the chat with parents. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't actually stop during mm. the day. And then going home to families yes. or other halves or calling up friends on the phone, mm. how's your day? And then suddenly you're, you know, we chatting away again. All night. And then if there's a sports game and you go and either you're playing and you're yelling out to a, a teammate or you're yelling, barracking for a game or you go to the pub mm. and you're yelling over or each other. Or yelling at your kids to get to bed. <laughs> 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 hurry up, go to sleep. Alcohol being another massive yeah. um, drying out. Drying out. Liquid. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people will start the day with a glass of orange juice or coffee. Um, coffee's got both coffee and milk usually, mm. um, but orange juice is another. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. really sad at the moment because <laughs> I need the coffee every morning, yeah. And, of course, when we get ill, um, people, as you said, they, they go to cold and flu medicines, yep. but they also go to menthol, um, which is oh. another thing that dries you out. <laughs> so it's it soothes. But at the same time, they know that um, it's drying you out, so you want another one sooner. <laughs> so it, it's a great marketing point. Wow, um, I didn't even think about that either. I assumed that that would be a good thing to do. But, yeah, yeah now I think about it, it's actually not. Yeah, it's a dryer. It's wow. a so, okay, in terms of tips, um, mm. if you have lost your voice, it, it's yep. not so much a um, – you don't think it's a, a massive medical problem. One of the things that actually – old wives tale but there's been some studies about it proving it actually might work and i'm really saying might work because they're still studying it is some hot water lemon and Mm. um sweet honey the hot water breaks down the astringent qualities of the lemon and sweet honey so not a drying honey like you know really nice dark Mm. honey it's going to be one of the sweet ones um just you you dose it to basically get the um the lemon (laughs) out but the honey itself can help coat Mm. um and it so you said, oh, when you saw it. So Pat, Pat's a big, my friend Pat, the <laughs> teacher was a massive advocate of um, honey lemon. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. It works. Yep. It absolutely works. And um, I'd, I'd say this to student teachers all the time and they'd write back and that um, old wives' house mm. thing worked. Mm. Yeah. Yes, it does. Wow. Um, so give that a go. Um, it does mean that you have to carry some lemons with you when you've got a sore throat at work, <laughs> but uh, it's like, you know, small sacrifice. But anywhere I taught and um, in most places I've worked, I've always had the um, – pack of honey on the, the desk because wow. I knew yeah. I'd have to speak. But in terms of warm-ups, um, mm. going back to that, people think that uh, you have to do like half an hour worth of warm-ups mm. in the morning. It's, it's not the case. You probably aim for five minutes and those five minutes don't need to be consecutive either. So you can do half a minute whilst you, you know, brushing your teeth or <laughs> not brushing your teeth, that might be hard. Um, getting ready to brush your teeth and you do another half a minute whilst you're going to get the cup of tea or whatever you're going to do. Um, half a minute at a time. And there's, there's various things. And I just encourage you to look them up on um, Google them, mm. um, like humming mm. and um, doing like fake yawns to stretch out. But mainly you're trying to either vibrate the vocal folds to stretch the vocal folds in different ways and stretch your mouth and get it ready. Um, and you can do those sometimes quietly. You don't need to be the big um, uh, massive voice projection exercises. Yeah. Um, Kate, you might have noticed that um, we, we did a course the other day and I was singing yes. for the course, yes. which is one of the things I, I do. I didn't even connect those two things. Mm-hmm. I just assumed it was kind of, I don't know, I just assumed you were just 
happy. I've been happy and wanting to kind of sing. Like I hadn't actually heard you sing yet this year. Yeah. But I kind of assumed that that's what you did and you know that it was we were not in the office and you were singing. So I didn't even connect those two. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. That. So I choose songs that um, stretch my voice either way because I know wow. during speaking I won't use that range, yep. but it, it helps me. I prefer singing to um, – some of the other warm up things, <laughs> but I would have done I probably the warm up. Would have looked at you strangely if yeah. you were like, you know, yeah, yeah. having done the you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I've had three years of doing those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing I should say is singing is not the first warm up you do. You can do some very quiet ones by yourself. So by the time I was getting to singing, it yep. was um halfway through the day, so I was ready to do that. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things like humming and stretching. Um, just making sure that you do that and then during the day if you do sit down and you get that magic half or hour um, moment where you are quiet and you're doing some marking or programming or whatever before you go back on to um, into the classroom you've got to do the warm-ups again mm -hmm. so don't rely on your voice staying warm oh, yeah. through the day if you do have a quiet moment um, good luck to a teacher if they have a quiet moment <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what is that yeah what is this um but yeah, they're, they're my biggest tips. It's really actually quite simple yeah. um, to maintain a good voice. Um, I suppose the other tips would be around what happens when it goes wrong. Mm. Can I jump in with a couple of my favourite tips? Please. Um, these are two things that I fall back on if I think I'm going to need to raise my voice because, you know, in an ideal world, you would talk at a fairly achievable volume most of the time and you'd be less likely to have issues. But there are occasions when, you know, you know, you make that conscious decision, all right, I'm going to speak up here. Yep. Um, one is, it's a real old theatre trick, which is to try and prevent you from screeching and, and push, jutting your head forward. It's to try and keep your body in alignment whilst you raise your voice, which is to imagine the room that you're trying to um, project into being the size it is in front of you and then twice that size behind you. So you're trying to direct the sound to twice behind you, which forces you to think about your physiology and sort of you end up almost pushing it through the back of your ribs. It sets you up in a better position. It, it's a weird thing. I know it sounds weird. You're both looking at me with no, no, strange faces. I'm trying faces. to imagine. But it does lead yeah, to, yeah. I want to get up and try So if you guys have seen me, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Through the mics, you know, but yeah. If you, so I actually really still do that. That's one of those hangovers from having done that course. Yeah is if it, probably the most common time in my current job is if um, we're doing a workshop and everybody's talking, I'm trying to gain everyone's attention again. Yes. I, I actually physically imagine the room being twice as big behind me and use my voice like that, only for a few sentences just to get everyone's attention. Um, the other one is, and you talked about this, Amy, is the idea of um, resonating with your nasal passages because that produces a different kind of sound that naturally projects further. So you don't have to push as hard if you can make yourself do that. But it's a funny one. It's a hard one to access. But we, I remember someone teaching us this trick once and it was the easiest way in for me and I can access it more easily ever since. And I might move my microphone a little bit because I'm <laughs> afraid about how this is going to sound. Um, but it's to imagine you're doing an alien impression. You know, Take me to your leader. <laughs> we're your, we are here for your, we are here yeah, for yeah. your brains. Once you've done that, you're, you're and that's an exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. But if you That's use your it. voice like that, it fills the space really easily without extra effort. Yep. 
So you just sort of talk like that. See how I've sort of added it in there, but it's not, yeah. Yep. That, that fills the space a lot easier than shouting or yep. pushing or hurting yourself. It's um, the Australian accent. People often do describe it as the nasal accent. Yeah, so yeah. We, we do have a predilection to yeah. it. Um, another way to find that space is just to hum like an M sound to mm. yourself and then close your nose. So um, if everyone wants to give that a go at home mm. whilst you're listening, if you go mm, and then close your nostrils, you'll find very quickly where that sound's coming out mm. of, um, which is completely out of the nostrils. Yeah. Um, so it, being aware of where your voice comes out. Another thing Australians do, do though, is we swallow the sound of our voice. So we'll speak on the back of our palate mm. rather than the front. So um, uh, learning to push your voice to the front of your mouth, which is really hard to do, but you've sort of got to imagine it hitting the back of your teeth. Um, and what you'll notice is some cultures are better at this than others. So um, if, you, if you've ever heard an American um, coming down the street, they, um, you can hear them much mm. further away mm. than Australians. Uh, it's because they, their accent is naturally at the front. Not all of the American accents, but mm. most of them are at the front of their um, mouths. Um, and they're just great projectors, mm. um, whereas Australians are all about speaking right mm. at the back of the room. I really am um, generalizing there. But it's the European through Asian accents really are on the back of the, the palate, yeah. uh, which is a hard thing to do. But, yeah, putting it up into the nose is another way of putting it forward in mm. the mouth. Another thing that is part of my accent, which is from the country, is <laughs> I, I, a disdain for articulation. Ah. So I don't articulate incredibly well. Um, and there's sort of two sets of sounds. There's the... Um, there's the vowel sounds that we make and the um, the articulation comes from the percussive consonant sounds. Yep. But highlighting those, that they don't, the sound doesn't travel from those, but the meaning seems to. Mm -hmm. So that's another one where if you're trying to fill a space, articulating doesn't push your voice any harder, but actually can travel more easily. Yep. It's an odd thing that, yeah. I, I can't even explain the physics of it. No, but, I can't either. But, but if you really over-articulate, it actually travels a really long way. Uh, when I was a, a kid, I um, my school sort of targeted me as somebody who wasn't very good at public speaking, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of ironic now given what I do for a life, but uh, a living. Um, but one of the things uh, the voice teacher taught me was to use my R's. Mm -hmm. uh, which Australians tend to skip us a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so that leads to a lot of people saying, oh, you've got an American twang. Um, no, really what it is is I'm just pronouncing ours, which is another um, – when you miss that consonant, people can't understand you from a distance. Mm. <laughs> uh, putting the R back in, mm. they can hear you. Um, so it's being aware of um, – uh, the things that we've become lazy with. See, the problem is that nobody, there's usually um, when you're growing up, there's not an expert teaching you how to speak. Mm. You're taught by your parents <laughs> yes. who are taught by their parents and it goes back through the centuries. Um, so nobody ever tells you, do this, stand up, mm. say this, unless you're very lucky to have a voice care parent <laughs> of some sort. Um, so we've learned this from a young age and sometimes we've even learned how to breathe incorrectly mm. from our parents. And we need to just have that moment to, okay, I've got to fix my posture. I've got to learn how to breathe again. I've got to learn how to articulate. Mm. Um, no, I, I don't want everyone to have an American accent. It's not <laughs> what I'm saying. Please don't take that. But it's um, it, 
reconsidering how we use our voice yeah. is very important for somebody in public speaking, mm. which is teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to that analogy of um, a voice being a tool, mm. it's a vitally important tool for a professional communicator yep. and teachers are professional communicators. I should um, say, um, just whilst it's on my mind, that the other group of people who are more likely to lose their voice are the people in the front office of a school. So teachers will lose their voice one-fifth of the time, but the category more likely is front office people. Well. So when we do run PD about voice, we should be inviting all staff, mm -hmm. not just the precious the teachers. teachers. Yeah. <laughs> so, Which is a yeah, really important point to make. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was probably said a little bit more seriously, <laughs> but everyone <laughs> no, no, be serious no, no, about no, no, that no. one. Yeah. Um, so if you can take away yes. one big tip from today, what do you think? So someone's listened to us. Mm. There's someone who hasn't in the past spent a lot of time thinking about caring for their voice. Mm. How do you think they should, what do, What one thing do you think they should change about their, their practice? Well, you've got to be very um, ready to be critical of yourself. And mm. you might need a, um, a critical friend to come into the classroom mm. and watch you. Somebody who you trust. Um, and actually get them to listen to you and listen mm. to the way you're projecting your voice. Like yep. you might be mumbling into the ground when you mm. should be projecting to the hard ceiling yep. um, to get your voice to bounce. Um, it might be that you're shouting when the kids are shouting when mm. what you should be doing is just speaking to add mm. a new mm. um, sound in. talking to actually get their attention. Yeah, yeah there's lots of different things. Yep. Um, but it, it could also be um, getting them to listen for things uh, such as if you're constantly clearing your throat, mm. it's probably a sign. If you're losing, like you're having sudden drops in volume or you have uncharacteristic raspiness, um, those are signs that your friends should look out for because you'll probably ignore it. Mm. But being aware, getting people to be aware, um, so if you've got non-teaching friends, to get them to listen to you as well. Yep. Um, and when you see one of those signs, the first thing you should do is go to the GP when you go to the GP, you need to explain to them, I'm a teacher. Now, everybody thinks they know what teachers do, including GPs. So you need to explain to the teacher, I public speak seven hours a day. Mm -hmm. um, this is what's happening. So they actually go, oh, it's, a, yep. it's actually a voice thing. We need to look into it. The sooner you go, the more likely you are to be able to get something fixed. Yep. So the one thing I would take away is if, you, if you're suddenly thinking, yeah, I have some of these signs and I've never done anything about it, go to the GP. Um, go to a voice specialist. It may just be six weeks worth of um, half-hour lessons to correct mm. your habit, mm. and you might be fine. Um, like when we get into things like voice nodules and stuff like mm. that, there's still a lot they can do. Um, but um, the sooner you go, the mm. less likely you're going to need major surgery. That sounds like a lot. That sounds like a big mm. deal, what you've said there, six weeks lessons. But when you're comparing it to Kate's story about mm. somebody who basically lost their career as a result of losing their voice. And not even just on a daily level being able mm. to talk to anybody mm. higher than a whisper. Like yeah. even that That's a life changing. Yeah. you know, just the rest of your life. Mm. Spent you know, that. even just on phones mm. or trying to get someone's attention, you just you can never do that. Yeah, once it's gone, it's really gone. So be careful of that. And look, there's other things that can be done. Um, yeah. Getting an amplifier with a Madonna headset mm. um, in a classroom, those things are really quite cheap these days. Mm. You're talking 200 maybe $500. A school should be more prepared to invest in that technology mm. yes. um, uh, and save somebody's career mm. uh, than um, just put somebody out to pasture mm. for something that could have been prevented. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, if, if, if you do have a quiet voice and nothing you do is fixing it up, mm. yeah. there is tech mm. nowadays mm. that can help. Right. We should probably go back to our big question, Kate. Uh, how do I sustain my voice for a career? Um, Amy, did you want to answer that? You know, you know, if you have any different sort of framework for thinking about it other than the things you've already shared. Sustaining your voice for a career. I think... I, one thing I'll say is what worked in your 20s won't work in your 40s or 50s. <laughs> yep. So you're going to have to reevaluate how you were sustaining it throughout Just your like life. Just bits of your body. Yeah. Yeah. So don't think that I've got this. I've got one technique to save my voice. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have to keep coming back to it. Um, and, yeah, be prepared to be flexible and changeable on that one. I think a, a way of thinking about it too would be that metaphor of the instrument. Yes. So it's an instrument that needs to be cared for. It's an instrument that needs to be looked after. And it's an instrument that's not separate from your own body. Yes. It's part of that. Yes. So to sustain a career with your voice means constantly caring for it, constantly yep. making sure it's okay and making deliberate decisions about when you're going to push it, mm -hmm. not not pushing it all yes. day, yes. but instead going, okay, this is the point at which I need to push it. And so I will use these techniques to make sure I do it safely. Kate, what do you think uh, um, people could do to sustain their voice for their career? I think being more mindful mm -hmm. and also, I don't know, I was just put it here, which, um, you know, was I suppose try and set up some routines and rituals mm -hmm. each day or each week because I said when you get snowed under with things, you mm -hmm. kind of forget about and you always forget about yourself first, you know, so actually trying to think about setting up some rituals, routines, um, and then if you do need help, make sure you go and do it. Like, make sure you head down that path. But, yeah, I think it's also just um, schools need to have that ongoing professional mm. development for teachers just to – so if they do forget, it's not part of their everyday practice, that they might go back to being mindful about themselves. Yeah. That's great. Um, thanks so much for joining us, Yeah, Amy. thanks, that Amy. Was that was really interesting. My pleasure. Thanks. The Teacher Learning Network podcast is hosted by Kate Chinner and Max Grarock. The Teacher Learning Network is the not-for-profit teacher professional development organisation that's supported by the Australian Education Union's Victorian branch and the Independent Education Union's Victoria Tasmania branch. We produce online and face-to-face -face professional learning opportunities for educators in schools and early childhood services. We also publish books, magazines and apps to support the education community. To view a calendar of our courses and find out more about our resources, please visit our website at www.tln.org.au. The Teacher Learning Network is a membership-based organisation. Schools and early childhood services join the TLN to support the individual professional learning needs of their staff. Once members, all staff can participate in our professional learning at no extra charge. To find out more about joining, visit www.tln.org.au org.au forward slash join. If your school is a member of the Teacher Learning Network, you can produce a certificate recording your engagement with this podcast. These are great pieces of evidence for your professional learning records. You can generate a certificate by visiting www.tln.org.au forward slash podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback or input about the issues we've discussed today or any other suggestions for future podcasts. Please email any feedback or suggestions through to me via max at tln.org.au. If you like this podcast, please rate or review it in your podcast app. It helps us reach more teachers. Have a great day and you'll hear from us again in a couple of weeks.